Good morning, everybody. It is Granny D. Dorcas Smith, Plymouth, Smith, Michigan. And welcome to our weight management call. It is the 24th of July. Who would believe it? Time is flying by. Um, it's... Um, I'm a little bit lost in words this morning, so just everybody for Donna McDonald, say some prayers. Okay, so back to brain rules. If you remember, I was talking about the fact that um, it's no use having babies who took years to grow if the adults were eaten before they could finish their thoughtful parenting. Weaklings like us needed a tactic that could allow us to outcompete the big boys in their home turf, leaving our new home safer for sex and babies. We decided on a strange one. We decided to get along with each other. You scratch my back, I'll. Suppose you are not the biggest person on the block, but you have thousands of years to become one. What do you do? If you are an animal, the most straightforward approach is becoming physically bigger, like the alpha male in a dog pack, with selection favoring muscle and bone. But there is another way to double your biomass. It's not by creating a body, but by creating an ally. If you can establish cooperative agreements with some of your neighbors, you can double your power, even if you do not personally double your strength. You can dominate the world. Trying to fight off a woolly mammoth? Alone, the fight might look like Bambi versus Godzilla. Two or three of you, though, coordinating your behaviors and establishing the concept of teamwork, you present a formidable challenge. You can figure out how to compel the mammoth to tumble over a cliff, for one. And there is ample evidence that this is exactly what we did. We got together. We became a team. The changes, this changes the rules of the game. Humans learn to cooperate which means creating a shared goal that takes into account your allies' interests as well as your own. Of course, in order to understand your allies' interests, you must be able to understand others' motivations, including their reward and punishment systems. You need to know where their itch is. Understanding how parenting and group behavior, behavior allowed us to dominate our world may be as simple as understanding a few ideas behind the following sentence. The husband died, and then the wife died. Now, there's nothing particularly interesting about that sentence, but watch what happens when this gets, when two small words get added to the end of the sentence. The husband died, and then the wife died of grief. All of a sudden, we have a view, however brief, into the psychological interior of the wife. We have an impression of her mental state, perhaps even knowledge about her relationship with her husband. 
These inferences are the signature characteristic of something called theory of mind. We activate it all the time. We try to see our entire world in terms of motivations, ascribing, excuse me, ascribing motivations to our pets and even to inanimate objects. I once knew a guy who treated his 25-foot sailboat like sailboat like a second wife. He even brought the boat gifts, and he called it her. The skill is useful for selecting a mate, for navigating the day-to-day issues surrounding living together, for parenting. Theory of mind is something humans have like no other creature. It is as close to mind reading as we are likely to get. This ability to peer inside someone's mental life and make predictions takes a tremendous amount of intelligence and, not surprisingly, brain activity. Remember, the brain is only 2% of the body, but it uses 20% of the energy. Knowing where to find fruit in the jungle is is cognitive child play compared with predicting and manipulating other people within a group setting. Many researchers believe a direct line exists between the acquisition of this skill and our intellectual dominance of the planet. When we try to predict another's personal mental state, we have very, we have physical form. When we try to predict another person's mental state, we have physically very little to go on. Signs do not appear above a person's head, flashing in bold letters as to his or her motivations. No, we are forced to detect characteristics that are not physically obvious at all. This talent is so automatic, we hardly know when we do it. We we began doing it in every domain. Remember the line that we can transform into a one and then into an I? Now you have dual representation, the line and the thing that the line represents. This means you have Judy LaRoche, and that means you have us. Our intellectual prowess from language to mathematics to art may have come from the powerful need to predict our neighbor's psychological interiors. And I'm just going to throw this in here. What child or close partner does not know how to push your buttons? It's automatic. How do we read each other? It's that ability to perceive the intellectual event that's going on in your head and know how to either encourage you or set you off. And you know everybody, our kids and our our significant others, surely are brilliant at pushing our buttons, but particularly our children and they come out doing it. We are born with this innate ability. It's amazing. So, feeling it. It follows from these ideas 
that our ability to learn has deep roots in relationships. If so, our learning performance may be deeply affected by the emotional environment in which the learning takes place. There is surprising surprising empirical data to support this. The quality of education may in part depend on the relationship between student and teacher. Business success may in part depend upon the relationship between the employee and the boss. John Medina in Brain Rules, now he's in a message I'm reading from, says this. I remember a story by a flight instructor I knew well. He told me about the best student he had ever had, a powerful lesson he learned about what it meant to teach her. The student excelled in ground school. She aced the simulations. She aced her courses. In the skies, she showed surprisingly natural skills quickly improvising, even in rapidly changing weather conditions. One day, in the air, the instructor saw her doing something naive. He was having a bad day, and he yelled at her. He pushed her hands away from the airplane's equivalent of a steering wheel. He pointed angrily at at an instrument. Dumbfounded, the student tried to correct herself. But in the stress of the moment, she kept making more errors and said she couldn't think. And then she buried her head in her hands and started to cry. The teacher took control of the aircraft and landed it. For a long time, the student would not get back into the same cockpit. The incident hurt not only the teacher's professional relationship with the student, but the student's actual ability to learn. It also crushed the instructor. If he had been able to predict predict how the student would react to his threatening behavior, he would never have acted that way. As adults, when we are teaching, if we are aggressive, our children will stop learning. If you are with a friend and you get aggressive, the person will be unable to focus. So learning to communicate with grace and to with kindness and to not get angry is a huge, huge skill. And if you want people to listen, do it with a gentle voice, not with anger. And if you're angry, walk away and come back and say, I need a moment. It will save you love and affection and time in the future to take a moment of grace to, re- to retreat from a situation that might destroy your relationship. If someone does not feel safe with a teacher or a boss, he or she not, may not be able to perform as well. If a student feels misunderstood because the teacher cannot connect with the way the student learns, the student may become isolated. This lies in the, at the heart of the flight. Sorry. 
This lies at the heart of the flight student's failure. As we see in the stress chapter, certain types of learning withers in the face of traumatic stress. And as we see in the attention chapter, if a teacher can't hold a student's interest, knowledge will not be richly encoded in the child's or the student's brain database. As we see in this chapter, relationships are paramount and they matter when attempting to teach human beings. Here we are talking about the highly intellectual bench. Here we were talking about the highly intellectual adventure or venture of flying an an aircraft, but its success is fully dependent upon feelings. It's remarkable that all these changes in our brains came from an unremarkable change in the weather, but a clear understanding of this affords us our first real insight into how humans acquire knowledge. We learn to improvise off a database with a growing ability to think symbolically about our world. We needed both abilities to survive on the savannah. We still do, even if we have exchanged the savannah for classrooms and cubicles. So let's just do a summary again, and I've read this to you before, but just think about it. Rule two, survival. The human brain evolved also. We don't have one brain in our head, remember? We have three. We started with the lizard brain to keep us breathing, then added a brain like a cat's that topped and then topped those two with the thin layer of jello known as the cortex, the third and powerful human brain. Humans took over the earth by adapting to change itself. After humans were forced from the trees to the savannah when the climate swings disrupted the food supply. So, going from four legs to two to walk on the savannah freed up energy to develop a complex brain. And finally, symbolic reasoning is a uniquely human talent. It may have arisen from our need to understand one another's intentions and motivations allowing us to coordinate with a group. And if you would like more information or you want to have a look at this book, you can get more at www.brainrules.net. So www.brainrules.net. And there we go. We need each other to be successful. And remember how you interact with others. If you are with anger, people won't hear you. But if you speak with grace and dignity and acceptance and understanding, then they will, people will, will relax and they will hear your words. At, six, at nearly 70, I am still learning this skill. And this just jumped out at me today is that, yes, Kind words and acceptance of other people allows them to hear you. All right, here we go. That was perfect. 
That was perfect. Perfect. The beginning of that, my died at 77, and my grandmother died at 77, and I'm 77. So it was really interesting and really resonated with me. Thank you. We are glad, Donna, and we will say prayers for you, and we send you good energy and peace. Thank you. Absolutely. And that just was, know that, was, that you are our that was you are perfect. our friend. Yes. Forever. <laughs> Forever. So we will hope that you are going to have some good days. And if you do manage to get back on with us, please do. Are you on? Was, are you still on face? Are you still on Facebook? So if we need to be able to send you a message, we can. Yes, I, I am, and I've been okay. I've been being very very bold about telling people, you know, the King is coming, and it's heaven or hell. Make a choice because when he comes, it's too late. It's, it's too late. To <laughs> well, we know what you chose. <laughs> <laughs> so I was. We truly I, do. Totally, I've just gotten so bold, and and everywhere I go, and I just make sure I want to take a lot of souls to heaven. And that's the only thing you can take is your family and your friends, and just make sure that that they're all going the same place forever. Absolutely, and we're glad that you explained where you are because now we can send prayers and. Truly, prayers help. They send out an energy into the universe that will come back to you. So we will send you prayers of healing and peace and just know that we do really love you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And I feel the prayers. Truly, truly do. I'm on... uh, My my daughter is going to uh, Greek Orthodox, so they had a service and they had... My name is out there. There's two churches in Visalia that my name is out there. And another, in the St. Anthony's Retreat, and I'm going, oh, my gosh, and I didn't notice, and they're coming back to me. And I'm just going, wow, the Lord has a lot of courage. My name is being tossed around up there for sure. (sighs) If you'd be interested in seeing some miracle healings, um, this is all new to me a few years ago, but if you go to awmi.net, you can see healing journeys, which are like 15 to 20-minute clips of people who um, just pray God's promises and receive them and have, you know, cancer has gone, people raised from the dead. It's pretty amazing. It's just the truth. So awmi.net. Um, and it's all I follow yeah awesome awesome thank you ladies Dorcas thank you so much for the information this morning good to hear your voice I agree and I'll be in touch with you for next week (laughs) sure sure okay thank you ladies bye bye God bless everyone Donna we send you prayers may you have a good day and love to all My love to all of you, forever. Yes. Amen.
Amen. God bless. Bye. Thank you. Bye. God bless everyone. God bless us, Bye. everyone. Yes. From Charles Dickens. <laughs>